Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 145. I just wrapped up an amazing eight-night adventure on Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas, and this week, I'm sharing with you my thoughts and reviews from my time aboard this ship. We'll discuss everything about my cruise, from my stateroom to dining to the ports we visited, and a whole lot more. It's my hope that my experiences will help you plan your cruise a little bit better by sharing some insight into some of the experiences that I ran into. Here we go. It's never easy saying goodbye to a cruise. It doesn't matter which ship it's on, which sailing. It's always bittersweet to have to say goodbye because, of course, you always have such a great time on these Royal Caribbean cruises, myself included. And, you know, coming back to this, well, coming back to real life, it's never easy. But we had a great time on Royal Caribbean's Navigator this season. This week, I wanted to talk about my experiences on board the ship and kind of share with you what I liked, what I did, so that way if you're going on a Navigator of the Seas cruise or maybe another Voyager class ship, or I think a lot of these lessons, honestly, are going to be universal now uh, for, for many different classes of Royal Caribbean ships and to help you, hopefully, maybe uh, improve your next cruise experience by taking into account some of the things I did and saw and encountered on my cruise. Now, first and foremost, if you haven't listened already, I would probably recommend you check out episode 143 of this podcast where we previewed our Navigator of the Seas cruise. But just to quickly recap, we went on Royal Caribbean's Navigator of the Seas out of Port Everglades. It was an eight-night adventure to Labadee and then the Eastern Caribbean. Labadee is usually a Western Caribbean port, but we did Labadee, San Juan, St. Kitts, and St. Martin. Great ports all around. And let's talk about the ship in general. Let's, let's start there because it's the most obvious question. Navigator of the Seas. This is my second time on Navigator. I was on her back in 2014. And she did not disappoint. It was like everything I remember from her was just there. Nothing really changed, which is great, because obviously when you have certain memories, it's always good when you have an opportunity for those memories, obviously, to live up to what you you had thought uh, it was like. And Navigator is a great ship. Voyager class ships in general, I'm going to tell you, what a great class. I mean, I, I, my experience on here might be slightly uh, varied based on the fact that my last cruise back in February was on Allure of the Seas, the biggest cruise ship in the world. So coming to Navigator of the Seas, certainly a large ship, you're still talking about 3,500 passengers, but it is much smaller than Allure. I noticed a lot of differences. Maybe I keyed in on more differences on Navigator to Allure than I would have had I said maybe maybe if I had done Brilliance of the Seas before this cruise. Nonetheless, we had a great time. What I loved about the ship is that it is big enough to offer a lot. It's got a flow rider. It's got ice skating. It has especially restaurants. It has uh, you know a, a ton of pools, but it's not too big that when you say, okay, we've got to walk from one end of the ship to the other end of the ship, it never feels like a trek. I remember on Allure of the Seas, I love the Allure of the Seas, it's a great ship, but I remember that if you were on the, you know, if you were on the, in the forward section and you wanted to get to the aft section, you were doing some walking, no question about it, and I would really lament having to walk through anywhere but public areas, like if I had to get on Allure from you know, across the ship, I would take the Royal Promenade, or I would go up to the pool deck to walk across, because I the, the monotony of walking down the, the stateroom hallways bugged me too much. I just like to have a little more variety in what I'm looking at, rather than just look at door after door after door. On Navigator of the Seas, it really didn't matter, and I quickly found myself saying, wherever, whatever's the most convenient, I'm going, because it is a lot more manageable in terms of walking around, just you know, getting from point A to point B is going to be slightly shorter because you're on a smaller ship than you are on Allure. But it's still a great ship, and that's what I love about it. It's it's that 
it, it offers a lot without being a huge, enormous ship. And I think for, for people that want to have that big ship experience, you, you like being on the Oasis-class ship, you like being on the Freedom-class ships, you like having stage shows and ice shows and, and, and flow riders and lots of pools, you like those options, but you're not, you know, you, you're not necessarily keen on just doing Oasis-class ships. The Voyager class is great. I mean, let's not overlook that. And I think that in the grand scheme of Royal Caribbean marketing these days, it is easily overlooked in terms of what this offers. So uh, I would definitely recommend it from that standpoint. It's a beautiful ship. They did, they, they're they doing a great job keeping her up. Uh, she, I, I was kind of worried, I remember, in after the refurbishment, I went on the uh, second sailing following her refurbishment. So obviously everything is brand new, right? And I kind of was wondering, you know, I wonder how well this will hold up. But... Here we are in 2016, two plus years later, it's still looking amazing. The Star Lounge looks beautiful. The white, uh, uh, it's not vinyl, it's more of a, a leather uh, coverings to the to the furniture still look beautiful. It is it, it's a, it is a beautiful ship, and Royal Caribbean does an amazing job with it. So from that standpoint alone, great, great experience there. Now, we stayed in a junior suite on this cruise, and this was interesting because we picked I picked the junior suite because I wanted to do something special for my wife. This was her birthday cruise. Her birthday was the week before this. So we went on here, and we we're like, all right, we're going to do... This is the birthday cruise. Birthday cruise, we can't just do the usual. I can't get two inside staterooms or, you know, maybe just a balcony room. No, no, no. We got to make it up special. Then I saw the prices of the suites, and I said, maybe not that special. Somewhere in between, <laughs> and we settled on the junior suite. And the junior suites were, were one. First of all, the junior suite was way bigger than I was expecting. I'm not sure what I was expecting. I stayed in the last time I stayed in a junior suite was on Mariner of the Seas, her sister ship, back on our honeymoon. So it's been quite a while since uh, we've been in a junior suite. But I'll tell you, with the four of us, now there's me, my wife, my five-year-old, and a one-year-old, and the five-year-old slept in the pull-out couch, and the one-year-old in a, in a crib, even with all those people, all that furniture... There was still a lot of room in the in the. I couldn't believe it, quite honestly, how large it is, how much living space there is for that junior suite. Um, not only that, we had priority embarkation with the junior suite. So when we checked in at Port Everglades, we were actually put in with all the other suite guests. So we were literally there was among the first people on board the ship. There was there was a wedding party that came on just before us, but we were right behind them, and it was a very nice perk to have the ability to have all that space. The balcony was much larger than I was expecting. Again, it was great. It, it really is, at the end of the day, a junior suite is, as they say, a just a larger ocean view room. But it was, a, it, you know, it, there's something to be said about all that space. For families, I'll tell you, if anyone else has got a family of four and you're worried about space, it's tough to go wrong with a junior suite from space alone. Now, all that being said, all that being said, I will say that we probably won't book another junior suite. Or I, no, let me, let me, change that up. We will probably not book another one-room solution just for the four of us. And the reason is, I love my children. They are wonderful, cute, very creative, very smart kids. But sharing a room with them for eight nights... It's not easy. It's not bueno. <laughs> it's 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 tough. It presents its challenges. I know every parent out there is probably nodding along as I say that. Um, you know, the problem is nighttime. The problem is sleeping. Uh, during the day, it's fine. I don't think anyone really minded at all, and I certainly didn't. It's really nighttime. It's when the one-year-old needs to go to sleep, and when the, and the one-year-old needs to go to sleep, it's got to be... It's, there can't be any noise, can't be any light, and, you know, that presents a problem. The five-year-old 
understands, but doesn't mean that she wants to go along with it. And I kind of like being able to sit in bed for a little bit and reading. I like reading the cruise compass. I like, you know, being able to maybe watch a little bit of TV, you know, talk to my wife, whatever the case may be. I like doing those. I don't want to just go straight to sleep. And so the problem we ran into, and it took us a couple of days to figure it out, but we got de- down to a rhythm where, you know, my wife would take the one-year-old to sleep. My, me and the five-year-old would go somewhere else. We tried on the balcony first, then we went to a public space, you know, maybe uh, up in the pool deck, or we went to the Royal Promenade. My wife would text me when the baby was out. We would come in. We would go. Actually, we had a, one of the nice things about the junior suite was the closet. It's a, it is not it is a large walk-in closet, large enough that my wife and my and the five-year-old would go in the room into the closet, close the door, change, go back out, put the five-year-old to sleep quietly, and then me and my wife would go to sleep quietly. And it was fine. But I'll tell you that going forward, if I Matt am booking a cruise for my family, we're booking two rooms. I I would rather do two inside rooms than do one junior suite again just because of the kids. And when they get older, when they get to the – both of them are at the age where they can kind of understand, hey, it's okay if, you know, we've got one light on, you know, or the TV's on for a little bit. Close your eyes. Go to sleep. And more importantly, (laughs) they'll learn that just because it's dawn does not mean it is time to wake up (laughs) and wake everybody up. These are all little nuances as parents that – we can appreciate, and and I think that maybe when that when that day comes and we're more comfortable, perhaps we'll reconsider it. But for all the cruises that I have now planned over the next you know um, two years or so, we're going for two rooms. We we just have to do it that way, uh, and it, it's for the best. You know, we really did enjoy. It. We do. We're of course there'll be uh, adjoining rooms or connecting rooms because we just have to do it that way as with the young kids. But uh, the junior suit was great. Cannot complain about it. I mean, it's a lot of space. If you are not in a situation I'm in, if you're here with people that can understand these things, it's a great room. A lot of space for two people. If you're in the junior suite just for like, you know, a couple, man, you guys can have a lot of space. You guys can roll around, do cartwheels because it is really, really large, which is great. Now, speaking of the family, I also wanted to highlight one of the best things that Navigator of the Seas did, and this is really true of all Royal Caribbean ships, Adventure Ocean. Adventure Ocean is Royal Caribbean's uh, child programming that uh, provides, uh, there's a, essentially a daycare camp or whatever you want to call it uh, for the for the kids, and there's also a nursery for the, for the toddlers. Um, and I, quite frankly, was blown away by it. I continuously am blown away by the level of service because I'll be honest, I kind of go, when we started first bringing my five-year-old to Adventure Ocean, I kind of figured it was just daycare. You know, it was a place on the ship. You brought your kids, you threw them in there, and there were adults who were going to sit there and supervise and make sure they don't kill each other. It is way more than that. These, not only is there programming, there's great programming. I mean, they're, they're engaging the children, they're drawing, they're doing art, they're playing, they're, uh, they're exploring, they're, they're doing science projects. It's there's that aspect which is always cool because everyone loves when their kids are doing something somewhat educational and they certainly have that. There's plenty of playtime. Don't get me wrong, but I, what really strikes me, what I really enjoyed about the Adventure Ocean program is I really, really felt like the the the, the counselors, the teachers, the Adventure Ocean staff there, they really cared. I mean, they really genuinely enjoyed their time with the children. They knew their names. They would. You know, they they really enjoyed having the kids there. I mean, they they there were so many little things that they did, and it is really I, I am I was every cruise I kind of come away with this I think, but this cruise especially I was blown away by how uh, well staffed they were, how much they cared, how much they interacted with the kids, and the kids responded. It was really a great environment, and I know that my daughter loved it. 
I mean, she's done adventure. She's been she's in the Aquanauts program, and the, and the Aquanauts program is the three to five year old program. So she's done. She's at the, obviously at the very top of it. She's five years old. She's done the Aquanauts program. I don't know how many times now. I mean, probably four or five more times, right between all the cruises we've done. So she knows it. It's the same programming every night in terms of you know what they're doing. But she genuinely loved going there, and I think it's because of the staff. If it was just playtime, if it was just supervised, let's go play with the toys there, I guarantee you my daughter would have gotten sick of it by night two or three at the most. And she didn't. She wanted to go back every single time. Really, really enjoyed it. And to me, that is a credit to the staff there. And this is why I think Royal Caribbean does not get enough credit for the family cruising aspect of it. This is a ship that does not have DreamWorks experience. And yet... It still does an amazing job with the kids there. So my, I tip my hat to them. This is the biggest. If someone said, Matt, what's your biggest wow factor from from Navigator of the Seas? You know, what, what are you really impressed by? Honestly, this was it. And as a parent, that means the world to me. And I love that. So for anybody, and this is true for all ships, not just Navigator of the Seas. I've, we've had very similar experiences all across. But if you're looking at a Royal Caribbean ship and say, I, Matt, I've got kids. You know, what about other cruise lines? And maybe, maybe are they better for other, for kids? You know, how does this all work? I'm telling you from personal experience. Royal Caribbean's Adventure Ocean, bar none, an amazing experience. I think they'll really, really enjoy it. Let's talk about entertainment on the ship next. Uh, Navigator Thieves offers a ton. There's a lot of stuff to do. I think a lot of it is based around the idea that you're kind of doing it on your own to some extent, meaning, you know, I think Royal Caribbean kind of plans on you spending time at the Flowrider, spending time rock climbing, mini golf, ice skating, spending time at the pool. And these are wonderful things on there. Now, if you're looking for more guided experiences. If you're the kind of cruiser who wants to essentially have stuff, you know, you you're kind of, you're you're not so much into the flow rider and, and the ice skating. You're more of the I want to go do trivia. I want to go do. I want to go to shows. I want to have the entertainment presented to me. Then maybe Navigator might be a little sparse for you. not not terrible. But I just found like a lot of the programming in event in the in the cruise compass, especially on sea days, which was kind of surprising, was not nearly as much as I've been used to. Now again, this might be also perhaps because I'm coming off a cruise that was a lure of the seas, which has a ton of stuff, and I couldn't possibly cover it all there. But all that being said. What they did offer on Navigator Seas was very, very good. We really did enjoy it. There was a lot of different things. We kind of tried different things throughout the cruise. The shows on board, there was a Broadway review show, which we have, we've seen before, actually, and it was still very good. They do a good job with it. I mean, my wife loves it because my wife loves Broadway music, and this is an opportunity to have an hour or so of Broadway show tunes being sung to her. So she loves that. The ice show is really, really well done. Uh, the Actually, the once again, the, the bar entertainment, in the schooner bar and at the at the pub, the Two Poets pub was excellent, excellent. In fact, the uh, Jimmy B, the the guitar player at the Two Poets pub was really, really good. Just because it's not a lot of times the bar singers are about the music they're singing. I mean, they do a good job. Jimmy does a great job with the music too, but he really has an act. He really it's it's as much about his his shtick as it is about the music he's singing. Very good. And of course, the the schooner bar. I cannot explain to you guys in words the. The sheer size of the crowds at the schooner bar every evening for the piano player there. Really amazing, quite honestly. I was really blown away by just how good of a job they did. So, you know, they lots of great things. And, of course, the on-your-own activities. You've got the Flowrider, mini golf, pools, rock climbing wall, ice skating. There's a ton to do on this ship. You're really only limited by your own personal preferences because there's quite a bit going on at any given time. And the best part about all this was, you know, not very, not very many lines at all. Uh, very well-managed. The ice skating did have tickets provided. It was the only show that required tickets, and you had to pick them up earlier in the cruise. All you had to do was just show up and get them. It was just a matter of you had to 
have the gumption to get up and go get them, which is not impossible to do. You just have to kind of know about that. Um, again, this leads to the question, well, if you're going to give away tickets, why wouldn't you just put this on the web, on the cruise planner and do this in advance? I don't know. But that being said, it was very easy to get a ticket, and it was really, really good. So they did a great job there. Dining. I ate at... Well, let's start with... There's two kinds of dining. You've got the main dining room, complimentary dining, and the windjammer, and then you've got uh, the specialty dining. Let's start with the... Uh, what's the complimentary dining, actually? Main dining room, great. We had, I think, one of the best waiters I've ever had in terms of his knowledge and just, well, all-around service. Uh, his name is Vanya, V-A-N-J-A, if you ever have a chance to go with him, man. He's amazing. Uh, he is the... Um, he was our main dining room waiter. Um, and then we had, uh, you know, the food in the main dining room, excellent. The the Italian night, the best night of food. I'm going to say this is across the fleet also. If you're looking for the best night to go to the main dining room, if you're going to go to, for one night, make sure it's the Italian night. Usually night three, the night following formal night. Excellent food, excellent. Uh, I don't miss it. I would skip especially restaurant for the main dining room on Italian night. Very, very good. Really enjoyed that. And again, most of the food was always, you know, it ranged somewhere between good, maybe average at worst, to really good, excellent. Uh, you know, it, that's what I've always loved about Royal Caribbean food. I think it, they really do an amazing job. And with the sheer breadth of options that are available, when you consider all the different foods that are out there, especially like you go to the wind, the Windjammer and you go to the all the different options there, the the curries, the pastas, the tacos, the chickens, the soups, the salads, there is a ton. I give them a lot of credit. They do an amazing job there. Uh, really, really good. I was also really surprised, again, maybe again, kind of comparing the lure of the seas here to going, you know, now in Navigator, no lines for dining. I mean, just none. Even in the Windjammer, at the busiest time, maybe you had a little bit of a wait at the omelet station, you know, maybe five minutes, but and nothing like I remember on Allure. And that's, you know, I mean, Allure is just, you got 6,000 passengers. I mean, inevitably, there's going to be some weights here and there. But Navigator, they really managed it really, really well. I was really impressed by that. And, you know, great food all around. Uh, the My kids did nothing but eat pizza and ice cream on this cruise. So they, they did nothing but go to Cafe Promenade, get their pizza, have a banana. To their credit, they ate some fruit. And then repeat. <laughs> For specialty dining, we ate at three of the specialty restaurants. Actually, four, technically. Uh, Giovanni's Table, Sabor, Izumi, and Johnny Rockets. All were excellent. I did Giovanni's Table for dinner. This is the first time I did Giovanni's Table for dinner, I think, since Oasis of the Seas in 2010. Usually, when we go to Giovanni's Table, I go for lunch to save money and because it's a little more convenient. But we actually went to Giovanni's Table for dinner because we were trying for somewhere on the second formal night, last minute, there was really nothing. We tried for chops, couldn't get that. And so we were like, all right, well, we'll go for, let's try Giovanni's table. And they were able to, to fit us in here. And uh, that was a, a big deal. Kind of a quick note here as I think about it. I don't want to forget this. Uh, when you're talking about restaurants on Royal Caribbean ships and, and, uh, and availability, it's kind of interesting. I've always said in the past, it's very rare for restaurants to really fill up to the point where they really won't take your business. And this is the... I, there was only one time I actually ran into a situation where they did not, they would not take my service, and that was on Brilliance of the Seas, Formal Night, Chops Grill. Well, lightning has struck twice, as it seems. On Here on Navigator, Chops Grill, second Formal Night, they would not take it. They were completely full. I tried a couple different times to get in. No, no good on, on any of them. So there is something to be said. I, you know, When you're looking at Matt, should I make dining reservations before my cruise? And the answer now, I mean, I have to change my answer. My answer is, if you are if you're looking to book dining before your cruise, if you are looking to book dining on a formal night, or 
if you're looking to book dining on a holiday, book it in advance. We went to Sabor on Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is not a major holiday, okay? I thought it would be no, I don't think anyone would really pay attention. It was slammed in there. I mean, I've never seen a restaurant so busy before. They, I mean, they were just filled to the brim with people in terms of, you know, tables there. Great for them. You know, and then we went there then uh, two nights later, you know, almost polar opposite. So if you're looking to book dining in advance, if you're looking to book dining and you're going either, you want to go either on a holiday or you want to go on a formal night or both, book it in advance. Go online, do yourself a favor, pay the money out front. It's going to be the best thing you can do. When you're on board the ship, if you're just going for, you know, night one, night five, you know, some random night of your cruise that's not a holiday, not a formal night, you'll probably have no problem getting in, even if you just walk up, but, you know, still make reservations on board the ship. You know, for what it's worth, that worked fine. But just some interesting uh, tidbits there. Uh, Giovanni's was great. The the steak is really the thing to get there. If you're going, it's only available, they have a steak for lunch too. It's not nearly as good. The steak for dinner is really, really good. They don't have the lasagna for dinner. It's kind of weird. I asked them if I could have it. They told me no. <laughs> eh, can't blame a guy for trying, right? So I did that. Uh, so that was that was good. Izumi, I went there a couple, uh, a couple times. Actually, two and a half times I went to Izumi. And what I mean by that is I went there twice to actually sit the restaurant. And they also have a takeout option, which was new where you call the restaurant, just like being at home. I called the restaurant, and I said, hey, can I get a DX Sushi Combo, my go-to Sushi Combo at Izumi? And I said, sure, when would you like? I said, yeah, as soon as you can. All right, sir, 10 minutes. You know, 10 minutes went by. I went up to Izumi. They had it waiting for me. I grabbed, you know, I paid for it with my CPAS card, brought it back down to my room, and I enjoyed sushi by the water on my balcony. Uh, I'll tell you guys, it doesn't get much better than that. I got to admit, I loved this option. And some people enjoy having coffee on the balcony. I love having sushi by the balcony. But having takeout sushi is great, especially when you have kids. Because, you know, uh, sometimes you need, you know, they're they're being fussy. You want to still be able to have a little bit of a a nicer dinner. But going out may not be in the cards. This is a great option. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, Sabor, amazing. Oh, my gosh. Really, really good. Uh, Great service. Big shout-out to Kelly, the waitress uh, at Sabor. We had her twice. Very, very good. The, I mean, the food is just great there. Excellent all around. The guacamole is better than ever. You know, it, it is slap your grandma good. It is amazing. Still awesome and great. The thing I will also say is that we uh, look for specials on dining. There were specials that were offered during our cruise, especially, uh, I remember we, I was just happy to be up at the pool deck and they were doing the guacamole demo. And at the end of the demo, they said, anyone who books a reservation with us for any time, lunch or dinner, will knock $5 off the price of of your reservation. So whereas dinner usually costs $25 a person, I was able to add on a second reservation for, for just $20. So, hey, it pays to uh, pay attention to that. And that reminds me, or leads me to my next point, which is, boy, are there a lot of drink specials on Navigator of the Seas. There were, from day one, as soon as I set on board, stepped on board that ship, there were drink specials all around. Drink specials in the sense of people who are paying cash for it. So if you're buying, you know, if you're not on a drink package, you know, you could get, you know, buy one, get ones. You, there were beer bucket specials. There were, you know, buy a beer, get a free chaser special. In fact, by day four, day five of the cruise, they rolled out the much sought after $80 drink card. And this is a drink card where you buy a card. It's just like a it's a piece of paper. <laughs> you have And you have numbers on there, 10 numbers on there. And it's good for any cocktail. Uh, within reason. It basically follows the same rules as the premium unlimited drink package, so it's good for any cocktail, and $80 for 10 drinks breaks down to 
ten uh, eight dollars a drink. And since most cocktails cost ten to twelve dollars, this is a huge savings. And we and you can share the card. That is the really cool thing. That is the reason to get this thing. And we were able to. I bought the card, and it was the best best eighty dollars I ever spent because the eighty dollars includes gratuity. So it's actually sixty something dollars, and then there's a you know fourteen seventeen dollar uh, uh, service charge on there. Great, great, great option. <laughs> I would have bought more if I could, but it's, it basically just follows the the premium drink package policy, as in like you can't use the drink card to buy you use it on your mini bar or for room service. But you go anywhere else on the ship, you know you can. It's great, especially at restaurants. Boy, does that come in handy there because those drinks can easily get almost up to fifteen dollars when you you know factor in uh, the service charge and what have you. So, but a lot of drink specials on there. It really. Again, you can never count on this drink. The drink card, by the way, is not something that's offered every single time. It's one of those decisions Royal Caribbean makes. The actually the revenue manager on board will make the decision at some point in the cruise if they want to try to, you know, spur spending. They'll they'll institute one of these things. But I would tell anyone who is going on this, and and certainly if you're on, perhaps if you're booked on the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, Navigator of the Seas, February seventeenth, twenty seventeen. I'll post a link in our show notes too for more details about that. If you're one of those people who's looking at that cruise, um, I might tell you, honestly, if you're on the fence about the drink package, don't get it. Wait for the onboard the ship, because if these kind of drink specials are... We're still seeing these kind of drink specials when the ship returns to the United States here in uh, in in late 2016, now early 2017. It's going to be... I mean, there were a lot of great drink specials, and I feel like I definitely came out ahead. <laughs> in fact, I probably spent more... I joked that I probably bought more Starbucks drinks than I bought actually alcoholic drinks but <laughs> whatevs as the kids say uh speaking of that we also so there's other things how about the ports we visited well we visited a number of ports labadee san Juan, and i'll post a review of that coming up here on royal Caribbean blog eventually but uh very very good stuff i, I would it was great I, I would do it again if i wasn't doing a cabana uh san juan beautiful amazing one of my favorite st kitts first time at st kitts we did the train tour through royal caribbean very cool thing, very primer. And I think next time I would do more of a potpourri approach where I would, you know, hire a driver and say, hey, great time there. Of course, we used uh, my buddy Leo, who's a taxi cab driver there. And my uh, gosh, I will have dreams about this for the rest of my life. The, the, we went to a boulangerie in Marigot, which is on the French side of the island, and we had an amazing fresh breakfast there. It was so uh, very, very good. And we went to Legalian Beach for the kids. It's a great little protected cove with really amazing. This is my only complaint about the itinerary was just that it was four port days in a row for it to have, you know, a breakup. If we could have had a sea day in between in the middle, you know, playing about there. Um, otherwise, great ship. I mean, really, just Navigator is such an amazing ship. You really have to experience it. And the Voyager class in general, I'll tell you, if you're considering a cruise on Adventure of the Seas, Explorer of the Seas, if you're going out to Asia and you're going to see Ver, uh, you know, Voyager of the Seas or Mariner of the Seas, hey, more power to you. It's a great ship, amazing value, and I think a very underrated experience. And I, I had a phenomenal time. Really, really good. I can't wait to get back on there. And of course, if you're saying, Matt, I, I love this experience. It sounds like a lot of fun. How do I get back on Navigator of the Seas? Well, i got a, I got a perfect idea for you. Come join us on the Royal Caribbean Blog Group Cruise. It's going to be February 17th, 2017. More details about this are going to be at Royal Caribbean Blog. Dot com. I'll post the link in the show notes to it, so don't worry. Very easy for you to find it. But we're going back on here. We're doing a whole different itinerary. We're going to go to Labadee and the ABC Islands of Aruba, Bonaire, and Curaçao. Wow. Can't wait. Can't wait. So we had a great time on Navigator. It is still an amazing ship. 
I wish I was still on here right now because as I close my eyes and think about it, Alrighty, time to answer your listener emails. I love this. Every week, I ask every one of you to send me an email, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, and I read your emails on the podcast. It's like we're talking virtually. Love it. All right, let's start with an email from Derek, who shares with us his Navigator of the Seas reviews. Look at this timing, folks. I wish I could say I had the, the foresight and planning to say that I organized all this. This is a total and complete coincidence. I don't usually put that much effort into planning the emails. I just, I just take them as they come. Here it is. Awesome. Well, first email is from Derek Ritz. I recently just got back from Navigator to the Seas. It was a great cruise, and I'm missing it like crazy already. I took a six-night itinerary out of Fort Lauderdale on March 27th and sailed to Grand Cayman Island, Falmouth, and Labadee. Before I continue, I should mention that I can't speak for any of the adult activities because I'm only 17, but nonetheless... I still experienced many things worth reviewing. I sailed with my mom and family friends. My mom and I were in a hump balcony stateroom, as were our friends, but they had a promenade view room across the hall. I was surprised that our balcony was smaller than expected because I thought that being a room on the hump, it would have a bigger balcony. But this is our first cruise on a Voyager-class ship, however, so we're used to everything being a little bigger, having sailed only on free. We never ate at Sabor. The food was good, and our service wasn't perfect, but it was still very, very good. The food was uh, not good, to say. We found the windjammer breakfast better than the main dining room breakfast. It was okay. We spent most of the days up at the pool, soaking up the sun, enjoying the Caribbean music. My friend and I did Love and Marriage Game Show, which was hilarious. And I have to admit, I did watch it several more times on TV because I can't really speak to them because I really go to them. My friends and I agree that many of the team events seem corny, and we were as memorable and exciting. Looking at Navigator this season as a whole, I think it's a fantastic ship that should not be overlooked. Had fun sharing this, and I hope it wasn't too long. Your experience there as a 17-year-old, love it, love getting that teenager perspective on things. Thank you. Um, Rita and uh, Rita's my upcoming Mediterranean cruise on Jewel of the Seas this, this upcoming May. I've never cruised before. He has such a passion for Royal Caribbean, and it has made me so hyped for my upcoming cruise. I have no doubt ahead of time. I have purchased a three-night specialty dining plan for my husband and I. I was hoping to reserve a spot. problem I'm running into is I'm unable to select these restaurants and times that I would like to dine at. I called Royal Caribbean. Have you heard of this before? If so, do you have any tips on how I can ensure a, shop, a spot at Chops at least one of those nights? Which is uh, unique in that there's a benefit. There's there's pro relative to paying if you'd book them individually. The the trade-off to that is do we have the biggest needs. Well, it looks like night, uh, night one... There's not a lot of people eating you know, chops on night five, and you, you get the idea. They kind of do it that way. Now, once you're on board the ship, you need a Javon is on night one or wherever. You can change up your, your plans, but you're subject to whatever available day one whenever you get on there. I think you'll have a fair amount of availability. Really, things don't usually book up. Formal night will get busier than any other night. But um, I think for your cruise, basically what you want to do, sign to you, and then make any changes you need to do. And the, advantage, the reason why you're going about all this for pre-booking and committing to these restaurants, they'll give you a discount on there. A European cruise leaving from Rome and visiting my only Greek, Turkish, and Italian ports, and I'll be going through cleaning off the ship at each port. Please let me know. Any help is appreciated. Thanks again for the blog and pod. I really appreciate the very nice email. So you're visiting all these ports, and you're going to wonder about, are you going to be going through, but off that ship, and your cruise is over, you have to go back through customs there. Now, should you bring a passport with you? When you and the reason why is, why do you bring a passport with you on a cruise? It's not just to fulfill the world, and for the world to understand that you are an authorized member, a citizen, Here's your information. If a Royal Caribbean ship in any port, it doesn't matter if it's in Labadee, if it's in Rome, if it's in Greece, if it's in Tokyo, it's usually a very low risk. But you run the risk, you might not make it back to that ship. A variety of things can happen. You can get hurt. May happen. Might happen. That you'll be stuck there. And it does. 
let me give you a scenario. If you have your passport with you, and this happens, you get stuck in, and you have your passport, all you have to do, you can go right to the airport, you can go and say, I would like, <laughs> you can go anywhere. You have your passport, great, you can go. That day, you'll pay a lot. You have to go to the American consulate, wherever that happens to be, and, and odds are it's not going to be, and get all your documentation back. This will take, honestly, days, probably. This is an ordeal to go somewhere. That passport is 100% utterly useless to you. It will I hope it does. So if you're visiting a port, I do this every single time, bring it with you. And a lot of people say, Matt, well, what if I live in life? You know, you're, you're, when you get off the ship, you're bringing money with you, right? You're bringing some valuables with you. It's the same billion times more valuable to you in your pocket on shore than it is sitting in the situation where you get stuck somewhere. But if you do, boy, will it make your life a billion times easier. I read also says at the bottom, P.S., will you or are you already planning another Royal Journey. I would love for everybody to be able to join us for these group cruises. Yes, we actually have two right now. Check it out. Uh, you can get that right over there. I think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. I would love for you to, for you to join us on those. Time for one more email, and that is going to be from Murph. Murph's got some great emails for us. Where it's, you asked me to give a synopsis of my recent back-to-back cruise on Freedom of the Seas. I definitely would not be a good guest as most of my time is spent on the ship. I have been on Caribbean ports many times, and I don't find the need to get off. That being said, the ironic part of my cruise was the first week was in Western, and the second week was Eastern. I won't repeat myself and say that the food was outstanding, mostly main dining room. The only specialty dining I did was Sabor. I did it on one week one, on one week on week one <laughs> and night one week two the best guacamole two orders every night and i had everything that i had i spent most of my time at the r bar which is great for people watching as well as the best service so i spent most of the time at the bars i got the premium drink package and got my money's worth an interesting thing happened on week two it was spring break for a couple of southern colleges and having college kids would get on the nerves of some of the longtime cruisers but this wasn't so bad most of the students were respectful and just there to have a good time. Doing back-to-back was the advantage of knowing the ship and the crew. As you know, I usually have a problem. As a diamond cruiser, I get the three drinks per day at happy hour, but having the drink package made that feature. observation, I was wearing a sling for the whole cruise, and when I went to the Windjammer for any being in the main dining room, sorry, no bull points, thanks, give the great work on the podcast. Murph loves the, you know, the diamond package and the drinks and the discount. I, so for what Murph is talking about, if you're a diamond discount, you're privy to a, a free three free drinks per evening at any of the bars on board and it's free but if you have a drink package like Murph well it's pretty much useless right no I mean would it be nice to have one sure who doesn't want a discount right I mean you're you know diamond members are among the most necessarily correlation between them because of course not everyone who is a diamond member gets a drink package I'm sure but I think when you enter the, when you buy that drink package you should be okay with the drink package as it is you're okay it's almost like a one or the other well you can get that you know, you can get your three free drinks and then pay for your drink. So you, financially, you're better off not getting the drink package, just drinking three, your three free drinks a day. Plus, I know it's, I guess it's one of those situations where you can't have your your cake and eat it. It's a good observation, though, and I like the I like the feedback, Murph. Thank you for sharing it with us. And, of course, thank you to everybody to have your emails here as well. Send me an email, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. I don't care. Hard question. Let's bring it on here. There is no silly, hard, weird. Send me an email, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Dot com. Well, until next time, I'm Matt Hodgson.